Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. I am very happy to have all of you here for the Monaco Grand Prix review. Let's get right into it. Let's go. So, everyone, here we are after a really event filled Monaco Grand Prix. You know, coming into this race, there were a lot of I don't want to say rumors, but a lot of talks about, is this going to be the last time that we're going to see the Monaco Grand Prix? You know, F1 has been really successful and aggressive in adding new venues and new tracks. Like, for example, we saw the Miami Grand Prix premiere this year. It was successful. It was glamorous. It was glitzy. Um, In a sense, you can almost say and and there's nothing that's gonna duplicate or replicate monaco and the harbor the beautiful harbor the history that monaco has all those multi-million dollar yachts and people watching you know that's you you cannot you can get close to it but you cannot replicate that long history that monaco has but You know, Miami was another, you know, close to the water, even though this track in Miami wasn't close to it. You can kind of tell that they took cues from Monaco. So, you know, I say that to say there were already rumors coming in. Is it going to be the end of Monaco, especially with F1 now expanding to another race in North America? We're going to have Vegas next year. So, It's crazy that we had one of the most, you know, event-filled Monaco Grand Prix that we've had in recent history. It was almost like the track answering back and going, hey, 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 you know, before you get rid of me, let me throw out weather delays. Let me throw out different overtakes. You know, let me throw everything under the sun so you don't get rid of me. That's, (laughs) That's really what it felt like. So let's let's get right into it this was a really crazy weekend in monaco so you know in qualifying as you usually do you started seeing the trend of what's going to happen and you saw that the ferraris were really in their element and they were ahead especially in the hands of charles leclerc who actually lives in monaco i mean he basically grew up as he mentioned he actually going to school as a youngster he used to take the route that the cars are racing on so you know you talk about a full circle moment in life you know here you are a famous f1 driver who has a long-term contract and you're racing on the circuit that as a young boy you used to go to school i mean that's pretty that's pretty amazing so he was in control. This is Charles Leclerc all weekend. You can see that he was very determined. He led pretty much all the, the practice sessions. So when qualifying came, uh, Charles Leclerc was on the top step. You know, he had signs in the top three as well. And you saw that Perez, unlike most weekends, you can see that Perez had a better handle on the car than Max Verstappen did this weekend. So Going into the race on Sunday, uh, you know, the, the talk all week was that there was eminent weather, uh, rain coming in on Sunday, right? So all of us are tuning in and what happens is because of the weather and the radar that's showing out of caution, the FIA delays the start of the race. Now, 
herein comes, you know, <laughs> um, part of, I, I don't want to say the headache, but the uncertainty that a lot of us dealt with on Sunday. So the delay was quite, um, it was, it was quite much more delays than anticipated. Obviously we know bad weather was coming, but you know, the cars could have started with intermediate tires. You know, you could have made the start at that point because at the race time, excuse me, there wasn't heavy rain at that moment. So you saw that there was lack of communication and that's a big, big thing that happened. And I'm going to circle back to that. But so the race doesn't start. And after the delay, what happens is, you know, the cars now get the green light to start, but they're going to start behind the safety car, that beautiful red Mercedes safety car. So they go out behind the safety car and as they're going out and going to the tracks then you see the heavy downpour that they had been looking at in the radar that starts coming down and uh, you know a couple of the drivers are reporting on the radio that the track is extremely wet i mean you know it just came down really hard so what happens is race control uh gives the message just for safety for the cars to come back to the pits because it was deemed too dangerous. Okay. You can, as a race car fan or, you know, racing fan, you can understand, you know, for the sake of safety, why that was done. So as they're coming back to the pits, now you go ahead and you see all of them, you know, pull in and we are waiting. We're playing the waiting game now. So that delay extends from 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, there's still not clear information coming out of the FIA. That delay actually becomes a 45 minute delay. Okay. 45 minute delay, guys. Now, the rain had subdued, but even the commentators from Sky, they were unsure of what's going on because there'll be a prompt that says, you know, race delayed, we, you know, and they said it was weather related. Okay. Well, all of us are watching the TV. Yes. The track was, was wet and, you know, F1 of course is ready for all conditions because that's why you have full wet tires. That's why you have intermediates just in case, you know, the track is starting to dry out and then you have your regular slicks. So, you know, you never want to you know, make any decision that's going to make the drivers unsafe at the same time. You also understand that there's millions of people watching, but there's no proper communication coming out of the FIA. So the, the race then is decided. Like I said, after the 45 minute delay, now they decide they're going to resume and start the race. Okay. And so I'll get into the race analysis, but I have to share with you guys, as I always do every podcast, I really, if I can try to give you guys the behind the scenes, new information that sometimes we don't immediately get after the race. And so one of the reasons I know that the podcast usually goes out on Mondays and I apologize for that delay guys, but 
there was actually quite a bit of news that came out after this uh, Monaco Grand Prix. And some of that breaking news was actually yesterday that it came out. So I wanted to make sure I get that for you guys. So one of the things we learned that we actually did not know on Sunday was the the FI, the, the reason they gave us why there was such a long 45 minute delay was, you know, they picked obviously the, the obvious reason, which was weather. Come to find out the rain actually had caused power issues on the track and they, meaning race control, were not confident that the lights may not work. Okay. Now, you know, none of us knew that because they never communicated that until I believe it was, I'm finding out today that it was late Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, whatever the time was, but it was definitely after the race that they finally come out and telling us that. And um, for most of you guys who watch F1, you're familiar with Martin uh, Brundle, who's, you know, the Sky host and he calls the race with Crofty. They're they're very you know experienced and obviously as, as an F one driver, but also as a journalist, uh, he's been dealing with F one for a long time. And one of the news items that came out today was a reliable source told Martin Brundle that there were really heated exchanges in the FIA race control. And that's part of the reason that we had such a long delay that was not necessary. So, you know, so that brings us to the point. It's important to keep in mind, everybody, that, you know, race control after the controversy of last year, you know that the the personnel and race control has been changed. So we have two new people in charge in race control. So, there was a restructuring that took place. One of the the first person we have is Niels Wittich. He's you know one of the primary people who are in race control and is head of race control. The other gentleman is the is uh, by the name of Eduardo Freitas. Okay, Eduardo Freitas is kind of the uh, I, I would say the main person who is in race control in conjunction with Niels. And so, you know, again, the news is coming out from reliable sources that there was very heated exchanges and they had differing opinions on when, you know, to go ahead and start the race. And so, listen, I understand, you know, this is weather related. You want to be safe. Uh, These two gentlemen, especially from what I understand, Eduardo has a long history in Le Mans. But Lamont is not F1. So I think they're still trying to find their feet. But what is inexcusable is we are still having issues with communication and the FIA. You know, there's other issues with the FIA as well. And believe me, guys, I'll, I'll get into the race analysis. But it's pretty important to talk about this because this was one of the main items coming out of the Monaco Grand Prix, the teams were confused, the drivers were confused, and there were millions of fans all over the world, including me and you, that were watching, and we did not know what was going on. And part of the recommendation that Martin uh, Brundle did, uh, said was, which, which I 100% agree with, is he said, you know, 
the FIA absolutely need, they need somebody who's in a communications role that is passing clear information to the press because, you know, Martin Brundle and his host, when all of us who are watching the race and that's millions of people around the world, had we known not only do we have a weather delay, but we also, because of the heavy rains, the track is now experiencing a power issue. And for the safety of the lights, we're not sure if the lights are going to, you know, at the start, they're going to properly work. We're going to make sure we delay the race. If you had communicated that to the journalists, then they can tell the millions of fans out there that are watching the race. And we can understand, hey, there's a mechanical issue electrical issue, you know, mechanical slash electrical. And that's why there's a 45 minute delay, but they never did that. And so none of us knew until, you know, 24 hours later or a couple of hours later that the FIA was experiencing these issues. And on top of these issues, like I said, they were also not in the same page. So that, that really needs an adjustment, uh, you know, because again, I we always talk about it. F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports, and you cannot have blunders like this. You, you, you know, I understand. You know, it's it's a moving target. It's weather. You, you, sometimes weather throws you off. You know, even with with the radar and all the the technology that they have you sometimes have to make quick decisions. So they really need to get better with that. So let's get to the race, right? So they finally do a restart. And of course, like I said, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc are, you know, uh, he has a top start They're They're going on. And now keep in mind, Charles Leclerc has an unbelievably bad, I, 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 I can't even call it bad luck. This is more like witchcraft. Uh, he has never, not just in F1, but even in his lower categories, he has never, ever had a good result in Monaco in his home race. It, it's just the strangest thing year after year, either something mechanically bad happens or he has a crash like he did last year. Was it in practice or qualifying? It's just, it extends before even F1, like I said. So he has a very, very bad luck uh, in, in Monaco. And we're about to see that play out yet again. So as the race is going on, and like I said, he was firmly in control. When Now with, with weather conditions, this is how the Monaco Grand Prix became really spicy. So when you start getting the track that is starting to dry out, you know, inevitably there's always gonna be a team and a driver that are gonna take a risk and go in. So there's a decision-making process that has to be made and you really have to be on your feet because, you know, that's the difference between, you know, being successful and you losing spots. And that brings us to our main point, all right? So Red Bull, who have always been really strong in their strategy, they decide they're going to go ahead and double stack. They, they were thinking on their feet. They go ahead and do a double stack and get both Perez and Max Verstappen to intermediates. Now, Ferrari at this point, and, and unfortunately, you guys have watched the race. You know, this is the moment that's excruciating. 
Ferrari, instead of thinking on their feet and reacting to that, they get on the radio and they ask Signs to come in. And Signs goes, you know, listen, guys, my opinion is I, I see this track is ever changing. Instead of putting me out on intermediates, let me go ahead and stay out. I still have the pace and then I'll jump right from the wets to the slicks. He said, let's let's not compromise my race. And, it, you know, it takes a lot of guts for you as a driver, especially with the bad string of races that Science has. But also, you know, they have the bigger picture that the driver doesn't. So when you're going against them, he insisted, you know, this is what I think needs to happen. And the team, you know, took a little time, analyzed it and said, OK, that's fine. We're going to go with that strategy with you now with Leclerc. So what they did was when it was time to do a pit stop, instead of reacting, like I said, and thinking on their feet and reacting to what Red Bull did, what they did was they were unsure and undecided. And so they had, you know, told Leclerc to come in, which he was already in the pits. And then they did a sudden change of mind and said, stay out, stay out. But that was already too late. You know, they're already trying to double stack. And because of that uncertainty, Leclerc, he, he was already committed and he could not stay out. He was already in the pit. So he was really angry and he lost a couple of seconds in that exchange. So because of the way they dropped the ball there, what ended up happening is those crucial seconds that it took where he was delayed. Now that gave the upper hand to the Red Bull boys, Perez and Verstappen and Leclerc now loses his position. You know, signs, although he, you know, because he made the strategy work, you know, he, he had a decent position. Ferrari basically with their strategy blunder, they basically, you know, gave up a possible one, two, or at least at the very least, Leclerc should have been the winner of this race. So, you, you know, Ferrari have, uh, they have produced a very, you know, fast car that adapts to all kinds of tracks. You know, it's going toe to toe right now with Red Bull, but you have to say strategy has been a weakness of Ferrari for years. I mean, it's, you know, if you watch F1, strategy has been a weakness and indecisive has, has been a weakness for the team. And when when you hear Leclerc scream on the radio, I, I mean, you know, I I can honestly say and I think most people can. I have never heard this side of Leclerc. I have never. I mean, you know, he's made mistakes where he's, you know, swearing in the car and he's angry. That, that's every driver. You know, these are athletes. They are, you know, they're, the adrenaline is pushing. Their heartbeat is going. Of course, they can be emotional. We're just sitting on our couch and watching. These guys are going, you know, 270, 280, 290, 300 kilometers per hour. So, of course, you're going to be emotional. But the anger that he had, especially when they did the blunder in the pits, you can tell that was the frustration and anger of a driver who knew they had lost the race.
he did everything on his part all weekend long. You know, Leclerc was unflappable. I'm talking about all the way from qualifying, even in free practice. You know, this was going to be the year and this was going to be the track that Leclerc was going to gain victory. And that victory was snatched away because of the indecision and the strategy blunder that Ferrari had. So that was a shame to really watch. Uh, you know, you know that 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 debrief uh, meeting that, you know, Ferrari is going to have. Boy, I, I I don't know if I would like to be in that room, but um, I'm sure Leclerc was very very uh, direct and animated with them. So if you think about it, the last race in the Spanish Grand Prix, they had engine problems. So he lost quite a few points there. That is Leclerc. Now with the strategy blunder, here we are again. And so that's two races in a row now that Ferrari have lost very, very crucial points to Red Bull. And so that that's going to hurt. Um, as the race goes on. So you, you can, uh, basically say that, that, that quick thinking and, you know, Perez just driving the way he did that handed the advantage to the Red Bull cars. And so that handed, uh, Perez his first victory, 11 years driving in F1. And he's actually never had, um, a victory Monaco, believe it or not. So that was a great occasion for him. And so, you know, that really, um, helped out. And like I said, they gained points with Verstappen too, because that strategy blunder also assisted in getting Verstappen, even though, you know, he wasn't a winner, they still gained a lot of points. So that was the order at the top. Now, just coming back to some other things that were happening on the field, uh, Lewis Hamilton was, you know, he didn't qualify again uh, as good as Russell did, which, you know, that trend continues. I, I you know, I don't know when that's going to change, but Russell yet again, I qualified the seven time world champion. And then during the race, it was really bizarre. Alonzo and Alpine, first off, there was contact made with Esteban Ocon. Lewis Hamilton and him, he was handed a penalty. For some reason, these Alpine boys, you know, there's, you know, they keep on having, uh, uh, you know, markings with, with Hamilton. So that was the first thing that happened. Then later on the race, Alonzo kept on blocking Hamilton and he was actually going really, really slow. So he was holding up an entire procession of cars and that was very, it has to be said, very frustrating. But at the same time, the, the um, unfortunate part was after the race, Alonzo's asked about all this and he's actually gleeful and he's almost happy to say, hey, I'm, I'm the one who delayed Hamilton. Like that's something he should be proud of. And, um, you know, the the head of Mercedes, uh, CEO of Mercedes, the, the head honcho Toto Wolf, he described those tactics by Alonso as almost F2 like, meaning, you know, you don't you don't pull shenanigans like this in F1. That's almost a lower category uh, shenanigan that you're pulling. So 
it, it's just been really strange uh, comments that have come out of Alonzo this year have they almost seem like they're subtle jabs at Hamilton I, I don't know what's going on but the fact that he held up you know Hamilton could have really um, made some gains and instead of finishing eighth he can he could have really finished up so that was a shame to see that um, and you know you you look at Mercedes now after the recovery that they had in the Spanish Grand Prix Monaco they had already said there was going to be a little bit of struggle there but uh, it, it doesn't seem like the car is fully unlocked yet you had another mega effort by Russell he finished in the top five yet again by the way he's the only driver the only driver to have a top five finish yet again so he has been just mr consistent he has been doing superb so i i hope that really continues but they they meaning mercedes still need to unlock um more from the car because you know it, it looked very promising in the last spanish grand prix but uh it was a little bit of a struggle um and they 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 really showed, you know, that even in qualifying, they were a little bit behind the pace. So, you know, that was kind of the reality for the Mercedes boys. You know, we have another two weeks now. So I'm curious to see what more advancements um, the, the, you know, the engineers back at the factory can do. Of course, all the other cars are going to be improving too. So you had that in the background. Um, you know, we talk about the midfield Alfa Romeo, uh, or, or, you know, has been uh, in the hands of Botas. They have been consistent as well. But one of the drivers who was really, who had a fantastic outing was Gasly. Gasly had a fantastic race. He was very tenacious in his overtaking. You know, Monaco's extremely difficult, especially, you know, with the wet conditions. But even after it dried up, it is just such a very difficult track to overtake on. And Gasly had a really superb effort. So you have to commend Gasly for the race that he had. Um, and I would say the other thing to watch also building up to this Monaco Grand Prix is I actually touched on it on the last episode. Uh, and this is regarding McLaren. Um, Norris, Lando Norris, who's still not, by the way, 100% healthy. Keep that in mind, guys, because he's recovering from tonsillitis that he had in the last race. So this this guy's a trooper. You know, Norris, you know, you just you see the effort that he does, the driving. He had a really uh, very solid race again. Like I said, he's not 100% healthy, but he out-qualified, out-raced Ricardo again. And so... We have to come to Ricardo, uh, just kind of as a final thought for this Monaco Grand Prix review. Um, so there were comments in the press uh, yet again about Ricardo's future, uh, the CEO and head of McLaren, Zach Brown, you know, who's a very capable man. Um, you know, his background is really in the financial aspect of F1. He may be, in fact, one of the most qualified in that area, but um there were more um there more comments that came out about Ricardo's future and um one of the things that came out was that there may be aspects in his contract that 
you know, can't enable if things continue to, to, you know, be bad and inconsistent as far as performance, that Ricardo can be released early from his McLaren contract. And, you know, it, it's, it's a curious thing to see. Nobody can deny that um, Ricardo's just having a tough season. Nobody can deny that. You know, he hasn't been consistent last year. He is being very, very thoroughly outdrived by Lando Norris this year. It doesn't seem like he's got a handle on the car. But I guess the curious thing is, you know, I, I am a little surprised that Zach Brown is being very vocal about it in the media. Um, you know, he's a really intelligent man, Zach Brown. So I know there has to be a reason behind that. But... At the same time, you know, I know there's a lot of pressure on on Ricardo. So making these comments in the public, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to help Ricardo or that's going to actually add more fire to the inconsistency that he has and the pressure that he's feeling. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, like most people are at this point. I, you know, I don't know if it's smart to be commenting more on Ricardo. I think we just have to kind of help him in the background, but they have their reasons. And I don't know what the reason may be, but um, I'm again, I mentioned this in the last podcast. Ricardo's definitely in, in the danger zone right now, uh, for lack of a better word. And if he does not improve on the things that he's doing, his race pace, his qualifying, this is absolutely, I think, and I I believe most people believe that this is going to be his final year uh, with McLaren. And I I do see some some things in the press that he might even be released earlier um, from his contract. I, you know, I'm never, I'm I'm not ever going to say never. It's just, I hope that doesn't happen, but we're just going to have to see how that plays out. So you had overall um, a race in Monaco that gave us so many different items, like I said, from changing conditions to, you know, race blunders to strategy calls to different drivers taking advantage. So we just have to wait uh, and see if Monaco, Monaco currently actually does not have a contract for next year. So we're going to see what the FIA decides. But um, so, yeah, I will say that it was really event filled. The delays were, were not fun at all for any one of us, but we're going to see how it plays out. The, one of the last things that I wanted to mention was it was actually announced today that Perez has uh, signed an agreement with the Red Bull team. He's going to extend for two more years. Um, I think, you know, that's a pretty, um, I, I don't see any reason why Red Bull wouldn't do that. Perez has been consistent. He's been a team player for them. So it's good to see him um, staying in F1. And of course, after he signs, you talk about good timing. He then goes ahead and wins the Monaco Grand Prix. So it couldn't have been a better weekend for him. So that rounds up the Monaco Grand Prix review. Uh, Again, as I always say, I appreciate every single one of you for Uh, joining me and please continue to support the podcast and I will see you guys again in two weeks for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix.
take care. Have a great week.